0: Many of you are married, or have been married, or know someone who is married. And marriage is a good thing. You know, God has given us marriage. It's one of the ways He's providing in a number of ways in society and whatnot, and for us. And uh, yet, in every culture, there's a there's uniquenesses in how men and women pursue marriage. In our culture, we pretty much have a three-step process: dating, engagement and then marriage, and that's generally the way it is, Uh, that's the way it was for for me and Celia, Uh, you know, we started dating, and then, you know, I planned the day, I would ask her to marry me, and so I mapped it out, you know, we walked down memory lane several stops, and then I asked her to marry me, and then we got married, and that's how uh, it usually goes, something like that. And usually the, the, the man asks the woman, you know, out on a date, and then if that develops further and seems to be a, a good move, then perhaps later that man would ask the lady to to marry him, which I think is a good thing. You know, ladies, I think it's good to have a man that's willing to take the initiative and ask you uh, both for a date and then obviously down the road of, for your hand in marriage. It's good to have a man that will take initiative and take responsibility to invite you into that type of commitment. So uh, I'm a fan of that. But uh, basically, our relationship and many of yours uh, follow that three-step process. Dating, engagement, marriage. But, you know, not every culture does it that way. Uh, There are several different ways, different cultures pursue marriage between a man and a woman. And uh, some of them are not wrong, it's just different. Some of them, however, may not be in line with God's design. But uh, there are different steps nonetheless. And so when we get into this third chapter of Ruth, uh, we're going to encounter a unique proposal, at least unique to the way we typically do things. Um, But before we get into the proposal, I want to just set the stage. I want to set the context so we can kind of understand this passage perhaps a little bit better. Naomi... And her husband, Elimelech, uh, moved out of Israel, out of Bethlehem, to Moab. Because there was a famine. And they took their two sons with them. Their two sons married two Moabite women. Moab set outside the promised land of Israel. And so they were outside their land. The two sons married. And then Naomi's husband and her two sons died while they were in Moab. And so Naomi hears that God has visited His people... Uh, specifically, in, in granting uh, the famine uh, be waived and, and the crops begin to produce again, and so Naomi makes her way back to Bethlehem, and one of her daughters-in-law decides to go with her, and that's Ruth. And so Naomi and Ruth they make their way back to Bethlehem, and then you know they're widows; they don't have much, and so Ruth goes out and begins to gather like leftover crops in a field owned by a man named Boaz. And Boaz is a relative of Naomi. And Boaz is a man of significance, both in his character and his resources. And he uh, allows Ruth to liberally g- you know, gather crops in his field and allows her to do so for several weeks. And as we near the end of the barley harvest, uh, Boaz has allowed Ruth to gather crops. And Boaz has not made any type of romantic move. You know, He hasn't... Approached the subject of marriage yet. He's just shown kindness and grace and allowed her to gather uh, crops in his field And perhaps he was doing this you know to give her space because her husband had passed away uh, We're not sure of the time frame, but her husband had passed away And in that culture uh, Just like in most all cultures. There's a period of time for grief that you that you uh, continually walk through And so perhaps he was given her space to allow her to walk through that grieving process. But then when we arrive in chapter 3 of the book of Ruth, Naomi, her mother-in-law, seeks to put this relationship between Ruth and Boaz in motion. Or as one commentator said, uh, Naomi took it upon herself to overcome his inertia. Not that mothers would ever get involved in relationships, by the way, but... Just hypothetically, it could happen, and it happened here with Ruth. But before we get into the proposal, I want to uh, share with you two cultural expectations that were present in Ruth's day, and this will help you understand why they went about this proposal the way they did. The first one is this idea of a kinsman redeemer. And the kinsman redeemer is simply, let's say you were uh, in, a, in a crisis in your life, and you were unable to get yourself out of it. Maybe you fell into some type of debt, some, some, you know, you owed money, you could not pay, something happened to you. Uh, a relative of yours would come along and pay your debt for you and buy you out of that crisis, get you out of that crisis because you could not get yourself out. That's what a kinsman redeemer is because redeem means to buy back. It's someone that is related to you that would come alongside you and pull you out of that crisis that you are in, so that's the first thing you need to know about the kinsman redeemer. The second cultural expectation in that day was the leveret marriage. Now, the leveret marriage, and you can read more about this in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-five, verses five through ten. But this is how it would work. Ladies, let's say you were married and um, you you never had a son, okay, and then your husband dies. Well it was the the role of the nearest brother to your husband or the nearest relative of your husband to marry you and to hopefully produce a son. And that firstborn son that would be produced out of that marriage would carry the name of the deceased husband. Okay? Something we don't necessarily practice today. Some of you are like, amen. Glad. (laughs) They we're not practicing that. But that was the idea. You know, it was to carry on the family name you know, because the name, the, the tribes, the land was important in Israel. And so that was the role of leveret marriage. And so you have these two cultural expectations going on. And I think this will help us uh, to, to color the interpretation more in the book of Ruth and help us understand it. Now with that in mind, uh, let's see what Naomi says to Ruth in verse 1. It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? So what does Naomi want for Ruth? Well, she wants rest for Ruth. And this is the same desire that Naomi articulates for her daughters-in-law back in chapter 1 when their husbands pass away and she decides to go back to Bethlehem, this is what she prays for them in verse 9 of chapter 1. She says, The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. You know, Naomi wants Ruth to be provided for, to be protected. She wants her to perhaps experience motherhood. She wants her to, to experience love again. Uh, you know, she wants her to be married. To get married. And as we walk through the story, we see two truths working themselves out throughout the story. The first is that all of us, we need to pray for God's provision. You know, if you have a need, you need to make it known to God. You need to take it to God in prayer. And that's what Naomi does for her daughter's-in-law. And we have, we all have both these temporal needs, needs that you need today, food, water, shelter, pay the bills, you know, you have relational needs, and then we all have an ultimate need to be uh, in a relationship with God, to have our sin forgiven, to be united with God through Jesus Christ. And so we have these, these needs, and we need these needs met, and the question I want to ask is, this morning, you know, what, what need is there in your life that you need to present to God? You know, perhaps you haven't prayed about it, you haven't presented it to him, you haven't uh, lifted it up to him. You know Naomi saw a need for her daughters-in-law, and she presented it to God. She asked the Lord that they would find rest, and now, in chapter three, she's seeking to uh, pursue that rest. So first we see we need to take our needs to God in prayer. But the second truth we see throughout the story is not only do we need to take our needs in prayer to God, but we also need to pursue the answer through the avenues that God lays out in Scripture and in life. Because, and you've seen this in your life, I'm sure, but we definitely see it in this book, and that is, God wants us to be involved many times in the answers to our prayers. In other words, we're not necessarily just to pray and expect it just to kind of, pop into existence. But we're to pray and then live it out in faith, walk in faith, take steps of faith, expecting God to work in the way that only He can. So we pray and then we act in faith and we move forward. And we see that's what Naomi's doing in Ruth chapter 3. And so maybe this morning there are certain things in your life you've, you've lifted that need to God and now it's time For you to pursue the answer by faith, moving forward with God down the avenues that He's provided for you. So we see Naomi, she sees the avenue for rest for Ruth in this marriage to Boaz. That's what she has her sights set on. And therefore, Naomi gives Ruth a few instructions. Like I said, not that mothers would ever get involved in the whole dating process, but she gets involved and she gives some, some, some advice, motherly advice. And she says, See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. You may be thinking, what does that mean? <laughs> Win- winnowing barley. I haven't winnowed <laughs> barley in a while. Uh, basically what you would do is you would have a hard surface, perhaps a rock, flat rock surface would probably work best. You would clean it off, and then you'd you'd hopefully find a place that had a nice little breeze blowing, and then you would take what would be like a pitchfork, and you would throw up the grain, throw up the barley, and the wind would blow, and the heavy kernels of grain would fall to the ground on the hard rock surface there, and the chaff, all the, uh, the, the things that you don't want, pretty much, will blow away. And so the breeze blows that away, all the heavy kernels of grain fall on the floor. So he's doing that in the evening, perhaps that's when the the best wind was blowing. And so he's winnowing barley on the threshing floor, and then she says in verse 3, Wash therefore and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. Now, perhaps what Naomi's doing here is she's telling Ruth, you know, Ruth, it's time to put up your widow garments. It's time to wash yourself, put on a cloak, and make yourself available to Boaz. It's time to let him know that you're ready. And so she continues and says, But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. And then we read in verses 6 and 7, So she went down to the threshing floor, and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly, or quietly, and uncovered his feet, and lay down. This may not sound like any proposal you've ever been a part of. (laughs) You're like, "Ah, this is is unique. This is interesting. Now, before we go any further, I want want to point out one truth that's important to remember. You know, I remember sitting down with a young man several years ago, and we were talking about life, and then we got to talking about, you know, he he and his girlfriend, and uh, after several vague statements, we finally got to the issue of, you know, he was spending the night with his girlfriend. And so I... I just looked at him and I said, You know, um, I don't think that's a good idea. That doesn't seem to be in line with God's design for how we as men need to relate to women outside of marriage. And he looked at me and said, Well, Ruth spent the night with Boaz. (laughs) So that's true. He did. She did. Uh, However, while I didn't deny what Ruth had done, uh, which, in fact, she does spend the night. We'll find out in just a few moments. Um, what I told him, though, is I said, you know, I don't think it's God's intention that we are to look to the people in the Scripture and follow them. I think what He wants us to do is look to Him. You know, we're not to necessarily imitate all the people in the Scripture as much as we are to imitate God And so I just pushed him and I said, you know, I want you to consider God's design for relationships, not how Ruth did something or how Boaz did it, but rather how, how God does it, how God wants us to do it. And, uh, and this is just an important principle to remember for all of us. We don't necessarily need to look at examples from Scripture and imitate them to the T. Just think about all the ways in Scripture where men and women come together in marriage. Adam and Eve, for example. You know, Adam, take a rib out of Adam, fashion a woman. Well, that just doesn't happen on a regular basis. You know, that's not how we entered into marriage, my wife and I. Or take Abraham. You know, he arranges the marriage for his son. Or Jacob. He has two wives that are sisters, Rachel and Leah. And the way he was able to enter marriage with them is he was able to work in their father's field for several years. Or take, uh, let's say David. David arranged a date with a married woman and then had her husband killed so he could marry her. Or Solomon had several wives that led to the downfall of Israel. Yeah, I don't think it's God's intention that we want to look at all these people of faith and say, you know, that's how I want to pursue marriage right there. No. See, we are only to pursue and imitate these people in as much as they imitate Christ. That's why Paul would say, you know, imitate me or follow me as I follow Christ. And that's a good principle to live by. Yes, we want faith like David in as much as he's imitating Jesus. We want to be like Moses in as much as Moses is like Jesus. We want to be like Ruth and Boaz in as much as they are like Christ. You want to be like your parents or your grandparents in as much as they are like Christ. And so just a word of warning there. We don't want to use Old Testament characters to justify our behavior when it goes against God's design. You know, Paul wrote it this way to the Romans in chapter 15, verse 4 of the book of Romans. He says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. He talks about the Old Testament being uh, written for our instruction. And then he writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians ten eleven. Now these things, he's talking about Old Testament examples, happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. So with that said, let's turn our attention back to Ruth. And this unique proposal. Let's pick it back up in verse 8. says It says at midnight, the man was startled and turned over. Now, that's probably how you would respond. It's midnight, you're sleeping you know, out, outdoors to some degree. And probably a breeze blowing, that's why you're winnowing barley there. And you're covered up, and then a lady comes and uncovers your feet. Now, some of you have experienced this if you have a spouse that steals your cover's. You know, you wake up in the middle of the night, you know, startles you because you're cold, you know, you're freezing, and then you, you know, yank them back over. Uh, so we, you know, if we were, especially if you were not married and you had someone steal your covers, I think you wouldn't be startled. And then you would probably ask the question that Boaz asked, who are you? <laughs> you, who are you? Who are you? Who's laying at my feet here? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Now listen to what she says next. She says, Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And what we're going to see here is, again, we're going to see these two truths of prayer and pursuit wed together throughout this story, and even in this instance here with Ruth and Boaz. Because earlier on, in chapter 2, this is what Boaz prayed uh, in in dialogue with, with Ruth. He says in chapter 2, verse 12, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And now Ruth is coming to Boaz, and she's basically telling him, or asking him, would you be the answer to this prayer? Would you be the one that will spread out his wings and allow me to take refuge in you. In other words, will you function as the kinsman redeemer? Will you uphold the Leverite marriage and be the refuge that I'm looking for? In other words, you know, Boaz is saying, you God, you have run to God as your refuge, and now Ruth is saying, Would you be the answer to Naomi's prayer? Would you be the answer to your own prayer? And extend that refuge to me. So Ruth is asking Boaz to redeem her, to marry her, according to the role of a kinsman redeemer and through the practice of leveret marriage. And this is what that phrase, spread your wings over your servant, means. Ruth is seeking protection, provision, and love through the avenue that was given to her in her culture and in that day, through the kinsman redeemer and through the leveret marriage. And like I mentioned earlier, we all have, we all have needs like this. We all have uh, physical needs. We have financial needs. We have uh, relational needs. And we all have an ultimate need, and that is to be reconciled to God. And you know, it's this young man... That I talked about earlier. Um, you know, we had this conversation about how, she, how he was seeking to meet his needs. And our problem is we try to meet legitimate needs in illegitimate ways. And instead of going to God and seeking refuge under God's wings and in his ways. We run to the wings of the world and we seek to do it our way. And so with this young man I was talking with, he, was, he had a legitimate need for companionship, love, pleasure, and yet he was seeking it in an illegitimate way, outside of God's design. And that's how you and I function many times. But you know, it was several weeks after that conversation I had with him that he came back to me and he said, You know, Ron, I think what you were saying is right. Yeah, out of reading the scripture, this doesn't seem to be the way God intends for me to relate to my girlfriend. And so he decided to walk in God's ways and pursue this this woman in a way that was pleasing to God. And now, you know, they're happily married. um, And I I wonder if you would ask him this question. You know, do you regret making that decision? Do you regret... Say, yes, I have a need, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that need on hold and seek to meet it in a way pleasing to God. Even though I may not have it met the way I want it met at this moment, I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to do it His way. I wonder if you were to ask Him, do you regret doing it that way? I wonder what He'd say. I would imagine He would not regret it. But I wonder for us, you know, for you, is there any need that you have this morning? Is there any need in your life that you're trying to meet outside of God's design for you? And if so, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to confess your sin. I want to encourage you to take that need to God in prayer. And I want to encourage you to act in faith in accordance with God's Word and God's ways. And I'll tell you, it's going to take boldness and it's going to take courage to do it. Just like Ruth, you know, she's taking this proposal through the avenues given to her in the, with the people of Israel. She's taken that avenue to Boaz and this took a lot of boldness and courage because Ruth was a widow, Ruth was an outsider, Ruth was a servant, Boaz is an older man, a man of standing, her boss. (laughs) So even by our standards today, this this is a bold proposal, and yet it's in line with God's Word. And so the question is, how will Boaz respond to Ruth? Well, we read that not only was Boaz willing, but he was thrilled to act as Ruth's Redeemer Uh, because obviously he's been eyeing Ruth for quite a while. And uh, he even says that this act of kindness of Ruth, the fact that she's seeking him out through this path of being the kinsman redeemer, this is a greater act of kindness than when she left Moab with Naomi. However, there's one more obstacle to overcome if if we're going to see Ruth and Boaz come together. Boaz shares with Ruth that There's another Redeemer. There's one who is more closely related to Naomi than I am. And so Boaz is going to have to go have this conversation with him and see if he's willing to redeem Ruth and Naomi. And if so, he can. And if not, then Boaz will redeem them. So Ruth gets all this information, all this news, all that's happened, and she takes it back to Naomi and tells her all that's happened to her and all that Boaz has said and then Naomi says in verse 18, the man, talking about Boaz, the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. And so we're left in suspense. You know, who's going to redeem Ruth? Who's going to redeem Naomi? Is it going to be Boaz? Is it going to be this other fellow? We don't know. Now you can read ahead and find out. Or come next week, and we can talk about it. But we're left, we're left in suspense. Now, what about you? Are you left in sus? Are you in limbo? Is there something in your life that's in limbo, is unresolved, It's keeping you in suspense? How will God show up? How will God provide? How will God meet this need of mine? Maybe it's a temporary need. You know, maybe it's bill that has to be paid. A relationship that needs to be mended. I don't don't know what it could be for you. But you're in suspense. You're left wondering, how is God going to work this out? Well, I want to encourage you. Whatever that need is, I encourage you to take it to God in prayer. Take it to Him in prayer. And then seek the answer through the avenues that He's given you. Walk by faith, trusting in Him. But maybe for some of you, there's something bigger that's in limbo, something greater that's unresolved. Perhaps you've never never given your life to God. And so this relationship between you and God is what's in suspense. It's in limbo. It's not resolved. And just as Ruth asked Boaz to spread his wings over her, so you need to ask Christ to spread His wings over you and cover your sin and bring you into a relationship with God. And you see, Christ, our Redeemer, not only spread His wings for us, but spread His life for us. And through His life and death on the cross and through His resurrection, if we come to the foot of the cross... And we admit our need to be covered by Him. He will cover us with His blood. And we will be clothed with His righteousness. And this is just how God's economy works. The only payment that God accepts for sin is Jesus Christ. But we must come to Him, come to the foot of the cross, and ask to be covered by His righteousness. Let's pray together. God, we come to you today with many needs. Some of them are temporary needs. They may go away in a day or two or three or next month or next year. And God, we lift those to you. And God, we ask that you would meet us in those needs. That you would help us to understand your scripture. Help us to seek counsel through your people and help us to walk by faith, believing that You will give us all that we need to be the people You want us to be and do what You want us to do. And God, for some of us here, uh, perhaps there's a greater need that needs to be addressed, and that need is to uh, be reconciled to You. And Lord, I pray if anyone here does not know You, has never had their sin forgiven, has never been granted new life in Christ, that today they would come to the foot of the cross, confess their sin, confess their need for You, and that You would spread out Your wings and give them new life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.